going to welcome you to Life Church today. It's so great to have you with us. If you have a Bible, I'm going to be kind of all over the New Testament, even the Old Testament. But uh, it's going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But if you do, if you would take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. It's kind of my foundational verse uh, this weekend. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, today we're talking, we're in this series called Sticky Notes. And we're talking about a subject that you don't hear a lot said about anymore. And it's we're talking about purity, but we're talking about purity from the stance of holiness. And, um, and, and we're talking about holiness. And l- l- let me set this up real, real quick. First of all, th- there's a couple reasons why this, this is completely relevant to where we are. Um, one is, even if holiness wasn't an, ap- an attribute of being a Christ follower, it's still the very best way to life to live. When the Bible describes how to live in holiness and impurity before God, it's talking about the very best way that you and I can live in right relationship before Him and with each other. Secondarily, the, the second thing that is that as a Christ follower, if I am a Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower, we're called to be a witness. And if I'm called to be a witness, then I want to be the very bit best witness I can be, and my life basically becomes a billboard, and I just want to make sure that my life and the integrity of my life, it all matches up. And lastly, as a Christ follower, I'm called the bride of Christ. The Bible refers to you and I as Christ followers, the church of Jesus Christ as the bride of Christ. Now, now I've been married for 16, almost 17 years, and, and I can tell you that, that I will never forget the moment that I saw my wife in that beautiful white wedding gown when we were getting the day we got married, that cold day in Springfield, Missouri. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. And, and the thing is, is that, is that with the anticipation of a groom, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our groom and that we are his bride. And the Bible says that he's coming back for a bride that's spotless. That's pure, not one that's been running around all night, not one that's got a messed up dress or are all stained and soiled. Come on, those of you that have been married, you know what I'm talking about, right? We all want to, you want to have the bride of Christ. And so if I'm the bride of Christ, I want to make sure that when he comes back for me, when he calls me his own, that I am, even though I'm not perfect, that I am preparing myself to be the bride that he wants me to be. And so holiness is, a, is an issue that we don't talk a lot about. Uh, it's kind of taboo. It's really not um, politically correct, if you would. But we're just going to go there, if that's all right with you guys, because it's a sticky note. It's a virtue. It's an attribute. And I think it's going to be something that's going to that's help all of us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says this, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Why? He goes on to say, Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And the Bible says there's, there's, there's three types of people in Scripture. And, and let, me, let, me, let me give you a little background before we just kind of unpack this real quick. The Bible basically says that there's a thing called the spirit man, and there's a thing that's called the flesh. And, 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 and basically, the simplicity of it is, is that we, we are born of the flesh, so we're born into this sinful nature, but that we have the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead, that when we accept Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior, he dwells within us. And so we can choose every day of our life to, to serve the spirit or to serve the flesh. And, and the spirit is, is God. It's the godly nature that we have inside of us. Because the Bible says that we're made in his image and his likeness. And the flesh, it's the, it's the sinful, flawed nature that we have. And it's that, it's that thing that we don't want to have. And so having that understanding, the Bible says there's basically three types of people on the planet. Three types of people in the room. The first is what the Bible would say that's the man without the spirit. The man without the spirit. 
The King James Bible would call him the natural man, the man without the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says that the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. For he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You ever talk to someone and you're trying to explain what Jesus Christ has done in your heart and done in your life? You're trying to explain these things of God, and they just look at you like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I have no understanding what you're saying. I, I, I don't get a word of what you're saying. It's, it's just completely Greek to me. It's because the Bible says that unless the Holy Spirit draws us, we never come into right relationship. Unless he draws us, we don't come into relationship with him. Unless the Holy Spirit drew these individuals that got baptized, they wouldn't come into relationship with him. But because of the drawing of the Holy Spirit, because of the moving of God in their life, they began to see things and, and they have a choice and an opportunity to be able to make a decision for Christ. And so there is this man without the Spirit. The second type of person that the Bible talks about is the spiritual man. The spiritual man, when you become a Christ follower, when you give your life to Christ, you become alive in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 says, But the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. So it's a spiritual man. He, he's, he accepts the things of God. And if you give Jesus Christ first place in your life and you invite him in your heart and your life, all of a sudden you begin to see things differently. You begin to talk differently. You begin to interact differently. There, there, there's just things that happen. I, I love that thing about the, about the Lord because I don't have to tell you what's right and wrong. The Spirit of God that's inside of you will, will begin to convict you of things. You remember when you got, gave your life to Christ and all of a sudden there were some things that you did and some people that you hung with and all of a sudden, you just kind of felt bad about it. And you're like, where is this coming from? Like, is this indigestion? I need to get some Prilosec. I mean, what's the deal with this, right? And, or what's the deal? And no, it's, it's because you see it. You understand it. And, and you have the ability to discern and to judge. And so you're walking in spirituality. It's not that you're perfect. We're never going to be perfect. The Bible says that we're flawed. That on our best days, our righteousness is as, holy, is as filthy rags inside of a holy God. But we're, we are preparing ourselves. We are on a journey. We are, we are learning to be more like Jesus. And so that's a spiritual man. But the Bible doesn't end there. It says that there's a third category called the worldly man. The, the, the worldly man. The King James Version calls him the carnal man or the, the flesh man. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 through 3 says, Brothers, I do not address you as spiritual. Now, remember, he's speaking to the congregation. He's speaking to the church in Corinth. So he's not talking to people that don't understand. He's talking to a church here. But as worldly, mere infants in Christ, for I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready to eat it. Indeed, you are still not ready, for you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not, are, you are not, are you not worldly? You are acting like mere men. See, the issue here is, is that Paul says, hey, here's the problem. You understand the things of God. You, you've walked away from the flesh, so you're not the natural man. But you're not a spiritual man either because what you've done is you understand the things of God and you should be acting as a spiritual man, but rather what you're doing is, is you're allowing these worldly things, these fleshful, fleshly desires to come in and to rule you and you are being led by your flesh and not by your spirit. So it's possible. And in the case in the, in the church of Corinth, it's very probable that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ but the reality is not walk in holiness and purity. Because some of you may be saying, why are you talking about us? I mean, we're, we're Christians. We're Christ followers. But there's, there is the possibility 
And, and Paul goes on to deal with sexual immorality with these people. He goes on to deal with hyper-emotional, charismatic Pentecostalisms with these people. I mean, they were just so... I mean, there were some crazy things that were happening in their mixed that weren't godly. They were, man, they were fleshly, but they were being called godly, but they weren't. They were being deemed as the, as the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but they weren't. And Paul began to give them some rules of engagements on this is how this works in the context of a, of a local church setting, in the corporate setting. And, and, and they're dealing with disunity and quarreling and murmuring and complaining and backbiting. All this stuff was happening. Why? Because they were worldly. The problem is they were alive spiritually, but they were led by the flesh and not by the spirit. And that word carnality that the King James uses, this word where we get carna, which means meat, like chili con carne, right? Meat with chili, carne, carnivore. They have great steaks downtown Milwaukee if you haven't been there. Great scallops too, the best in town. But anyhow, that's where we get the word carnivore from. It's meat, it's flesh. And what he's saying is, is that you are born of the spirit, but yet you're letting your flesh rule you. And I wonder how many of us are in that boat. We're born of the Spirit. We understand the things of God. We have a Bible with our name on it. We've been baptized, but we're not being led of the Spirit. We're being led of the flesh. And here's the deal is, there's always going to be an issue between the Spirit and between the flesh. There's this war that goes on. Paul himself says he had this thorn in his flesh that he asked God to remove, but God did not remove. And struggle isn't sinful. Struggle actually produces strength. But there is this warring that goes on. But when you give in to that, you are being led by that and, not, and led by the flesh and not by the spirit. And so the struggle with sin is where we are right now. And I want to talk about that because just real quick, because you're either in three, you're struggling with sin, you're kind of dealing with that, you're, you've either settled the issue you're either, you've just said, you know, I've settled it. I'm just, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to be. This is a vice. This is a secret sin. This is an area in my life that I'm never going to have victory over. You have totally just confessed that you're going to lose. You're never going to win this area. And you just hope and, and, and just hope on the grace and the mercy of God. Or you're faking it. You're just faking it. Let's just be honest. I don't care you're in church. I'm in church. I don't care how dressed up you are. You're faking it. You just put a big fake on, a big mask on, a big smile on, a good hallelujah. How you doing tonight, brother? God bless you. You know we know how to talk, right? Know how to do all that kind of stuff. You're going to write a check, put it in the offering. If you're going to do that, I don't care if you're faking it or not, just write a big check. Zeros are free, right? (laughs) But what you've done is you've just decided, I'm just going to fake everybody out. Because if I look spiritual, if I sound spiritual, then maybe everybody will think I'm spiritual. The problem with that is, is I'm not your judge and nobody in this room is your judge. And it, quite frankly, doesn't matter what I think or anybody else in this room thinks or anybody else on the planet as far as that's concerned. There's only one person that we stand before, and that's Jesus Christ, and he will judge us. Now, I know that the judgment of God was supposed to happen today. (laughs) And we're still here. Maybe we're jacked up, folks. Maybe we've missed it. (laughs) I don't think so, but... And I know the West Campus is going to see this, and it's Saturday here, and it's Sunday there, and I've totally messed that one up, but I just, I couldn't help that. I mean, it just is what it is. But if you're dealing with sin, the other thing is, because we all deal with it, you're the kind of person that's going to deal with it. You're just going to deal with it. You're going to say, look, this is where I am. This is what's going on. This is what's happening in my life. I'm going to deal with this issue. I may struggle with it until, until I get to glory. I, I, I may go to the altar every Sunday morning. I may get up every day and drop to my knees and ask a holy God to give me grace. But I am not giving up, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm just going to, I'm going to deal with this issue in my life. And that's, that's really kind of where we are today. 
How do you find freedom to be holy? If God doesn't expect me to be perfect, but he wants me to be holy, how do I do that? Is that not the same thing? No, it's two totally different things. Let me show you how to do this. First of all, let the Holy Spirit show you. Let the Holy Spirit show you. Let the Holy Spirit show you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. As a Christ follower, every day of your life, you get up and you ask yourself this question. Holy Spirit, is there anything in me? Is there any issue in me? Is there anger? Is there resentment? Is there bitterness? Is there arrogance? Is there hubris? Is there pride? Is there lust? Whatever it is, convict me of sin. We don't like that. I don't like that. We don't like preaching like that. We don't like songs like that. We don't like prayers like that. And I get it. Because that's some real meat, potatoes kind of stuff. That's really getting in your kitchen and going, what's he going to say? That's kind of like praying for patience. You know what's going to happen when you pray for patience, don't you? Right? Everything's going to fall apart in your world. Don't try it. I'm just telling you. Just, just kind of, I kind of skim through that one the best I can. Oh, Lord, help me right here, but just don't give me too much. Because I, I don't want it to all fall apart, right? Because it's, I mean, every red light, every, you're going to hit every red light on the way to work. You're going to hit every, every slowdown. You're, it doesn't matter what lane you're in. It's always going to be the, the person taking the longest. I mean, just, we don't like that. But the problem is, is that unless we do that, we don't grow. Unless we do that, we're not becoming holy. And it's, and it's a whole lot better. Here's the reality. It's a whole lot better to know and to deal with it than to act like it doesn't exist. Because that's hypocritical. For me to say, hey, you know, man, I've got an issue here. That, that's just being honest. Convict me, Holy Spirit. But, and show me. And, and let me say something else, too. When you cease to being convicted by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're in deep weeds. When you can do the same things you used to do that you used to feel bad about, and you can do them now, and it doesn't bother you, I'm telling you, you better find a place to pray. You better pull the car over. You better run to a church. You better, you better drop to your knees and cry out to God because what's happening is your heart's becoming callous. Your heart's becoming numb. You no longer feel you're inoculated to sin, at least that sin. That's one of the reasons why we come together and we open up the Word of God. This is why we feed on the Word of God every day. This is why we do it. Why? Because we want to get in there. And sometimes you go, well, well I do that through worship. Well, be careful with that. Because conviction comes through the Holy Spirit, not through worship. And conviction comes through the preaching of God's word, because it's not my word, it's his word, not through worship. But, but now I like worship. I'm, I'm beating up on worship. But I'm telling you, we have a generation where we love worship and we love music. So did King Saul. He brought David in, and David would sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and it soothed the vexing of his souls from demonic oppression that he was feeling. But it never dealt with the issues of his heart. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. It's the word of God that will pierce you to the, to, the, to the very core of who you are. It's the word of God that may cut you going in, but it will heal you going out. It's a double-edged sword. And God does that not to hurt us, but to help us. Why? Because he wants us to be all that we can be. And he doesn't want sin to paralyze us. And he doesn't want sin to keep us on the sidelines. And he doesn't want sin to keep us from being what we want to be. He doesn't want sin to keep us from being what we want to be in our own lives. As a, youth, as a youth pastor, I used to get the question from students. They were like, well, Pastor Aaron, you know, like, we're dating and stuff. You know, like, how far is too far? 
whatever you're thinking, I would tell them, is wrong. You need to repent and ask God to forgive you, right? When you have to ask, that's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness in the house? Right? That's what it is. That's good. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. It doesn't stop at salvation. It only begins there. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves. Not a priest, not a pastor. You, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Ask God to examine your heart. And he will. And not in a hurtful way, but in a helpful way. The second way that you learn to have freedom and to become holy is to let others help you. Let other people help you. You will never experience holiness that God wants for you to have on your own. I'm going to tell you, this isn't something that was taught growing up. I think it's, it's a, a reaction to not wanting to have a confessional booth and a priest and, and all, but, but it's the reality of what the Word talks about, the power of confession in our lives. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 says, If we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful to forgive us, uh, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. For if we claim that we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His Word has no place in our lives. James chapter 5, verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that, you may, so that you may be healed. Now let me explain this to you. When he uses the word healed, it means to get, it gets you to a place where that issue is no longer a problem. Here's the deal. Me confessing to you doesn't forgive me of my sins. The only way that my sins are absolved and, and are forgiven according to Scripture is when I confess my sins to, to Jesus Christ. When I say, Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, please forgive me my sins. I can pray that prayer. The Bible says that Jesus is as close as the very mention of his name. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's, it's the thief on the cross. The one blasphemes him. The other one says, please have mercy on me. And Jesus, that moment, that day, in that instance, absolves him of his sins and forgives, forgives him from all of his unrighteousness. Because that's the power that Jesus Christ has. So I don't find forgiveness for my sins through confession to someone else. What I do find is what James talks about. I find healing. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If you're the only person that knows the sin that you struggle with, you're in deep weeds. If you're the only person that knows the one thing that can bring you down, you're in deep weeds. Well, why would you say that, Aaron? But because here's the deal is the lie of the enemy is to keep your sin secret. The lie of the enemy is to say, hey, if nobody knows this, maybe I can fake my way through it. Not that I'm trying to be a hypocrite, but I'm working on this. If nobody knows my issues, if nobody knows where I'm vulnerable, because I'm going to tell you something. Everybody in this room, Superman had kryptonite. We all have some type of kryptonite in our life. We have something. There is some something that you deal with. There's stuff that I deal with. We are all flesh and blood. And the fact that you struggle is not a sin. 
But how do you get healed of that issue? How do you overcome that situation? By finding someone who's strong in their faith, who's strong in their relationship with God, who you can give confidential, confidential information to, that you can confess, that they know the issues in the area, that they can call you on your junk, they can call you on your stuff, they can call you on your sins, you can pray together, you can work together, you can do this thing together. Woe is the man, the Bible says, that falls and nobody hears him when he falls. Why? Because we need one another. We need relationship. Let me tell you, that's the reason why some people don't get involved in relationship. Because they don't want to be vulnerable to the point to have to go there. And it's because they've either settled in their life that this is going to be the issue they're always going to have. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Or they're just going to fake it and be a hypocrite. Because they don't really want to go there. They really don't want to open themselves up like that. Men, we're the worst. We are the absolute worst. Ladies, you should say amen to that. We like to bottle it up. We like to keep it hidden. We don't want to talk to anybody. We don't want to do anything. We just, we want to deal. We just want to work it out. We're just going to just, just true grip, baby. Just John Wayne this thing out. We're just going to deal with this and we're just going to go. And that's a lie of the enemy to say, hey, if you don't tell anybody, it doesn't exist. If you don't speak in existence, maybe it doesn't exist. Maybe it's okay. Everybody deals with it. We have all of our rationales, all of our reasons. But if you want to get healing, find someone. And there's not going to be a lot of someones. Don't tell everybody in the church your business. You know that? Those of you that may be new, don't tell everybody your business. I know we, we, we like to believe confidentiality. We don't always practice it. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I told them. And that, all, everybody's talking about your... Listen, you better find somebody who you've trusted, who you've developed a relationship with. I do this. I have a couple of pastor friends who know where I'm weak, that I talk to on a regular basis, that can call me on anything at any time. They have access to areas of my life. Why? Because I'm flesh and blood. One of my life goals, and the older I get, the more I realize how, how imperfect life is and how tough this thing is, it's, it's not doing it. It's not the sprint that's the hard part. It's the marathon. And the longer I go, the thing I, I want to do is I want to make sure that I fulfill this calling on my life without reproach. That I never bring anything against my family. That I don't bring anything against this church or against the calling. I had lunch yesterday with a pastor in this area who I have immense respect for that's retiring. And I asked him the question, I said, I'm 39, and about six months I'll be 40, and I'm entering into an age of my life where this is where the wheels come off for guys like me. How do you see it through? What are the mechanisms? What are the conversations? What are the things that you have in your life in order to, to keep it so that you make it through, so that you're able to, to leave on top, that you're able to, to, to finish the course, to, to run the race? And he talked to me about the weight of ministry. And he talked to me about the weight of, of being a dad and about the weight of being a leader. He talked to me about it, what it means to pastor. He talked to me about asking me about conversations with people that I have in my life and relationships that I have in my life. He talked to me about real issues. Listen, we all need this. This isn't something I'm preaching to you that I don't live. We all need it. Why? Because we're flesh and blood. And unless you want to fake it or just live with it, you don't want to get over it and deal with it, 
The way you do that is by through relationship. And you may go, well, man, are there any practical ways at Life Church I can do that? Sure there are. They're called life groups. Now, I'm not saying you show up at Life Group on the first time with a casserole and go, here, let me tell you all my stuff. Right? <laughs> Bring the casserole, though. That's good stuff. <laughs> but in that moment, you begin to develop relationships. We need each other. We need each other. And out of those relationships, I'm telling you, that's those relationships that you're going to find pastoral care. You're going to find people that are going to celebrate the victories in your life. People that are going to care about you. People that are going to pray for you. I could bring five people up, up tonight, right now, and they could all tell you that they've gone through a rough way in the last 12 months. And it was people in this church that they were in relationship with before they got into trouble, before things happened, before things beyond their control began to happen in, in their life, that they developed relationship with, that they were able to live this thing out. That's the power. It's not forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, but it's the power to be healed and to live the life. And the last thing that the Word says for us to do, we want to be holy it's to let humility enable us. It's an attitude. Let humility enable us. Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 and 2 and verse 17 says this, Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Can I tell you, God will never turn you away. The door is not closed. God always, a broken and a contrite spirit, he will never turn away. Man, we're not perfect. Not even close. But at the end of the day, if we will drop to our knees, and we'll ask God to invade our lives, even though we're Christ followers, and examine our hearts, and we'll ask him to help us, even to open doors for relationships and opportunities that we can walk in, in a covenant relationship with someone that, that we can help one another and, and have that type of relationship that we can confess and help one another with. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what kind of games you've played. Doesn't matter how perfect or imperfect you feel. Jesus Christ is here. And, and that humility, it breaks through everything. Listen, it breaks through everything. I don't care how hard. I don't care how much you've done. I don't care how religious you are. I don't care who you are. I, I don't, it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. The humility before God opens his heart. It's like a father with a child. If my children are hard and brazen about something, there's this thing inside of me that says, I'll break you with that, right? The Bill Cosby spirit, I brought you in this world and I can take you out. You're looking at me too sanctimoniously, you all, you parents. But there's something about a child that comes and they begin to break and they confess that it melts your heart. And you just want to open your arms and say, look, we're going to figure this out. We're going to do this. It's that same heart of God. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to do this. We're, we're going to, to give you an opportunity to have that conversation with the Lord today. So the, the band is going to make their way. And what we're going to do, if you want to put your Bible up, you want to put your stuff up, what we're going to do these next few minutes is give you an opportunity. If you're not comfortable with it, that's fine. You can just sit back and the band's going to lead us in a couple of songs.
But I'm speaking to people in this room who you know the ways of God, but you're not being led of the Spirit, you're being led of the flesh. And I'm not convicting you of that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And what we've done is, here, here in Germantown, we, we, this, we just have this space up front that I'm going to ask you in just a minute to move from where you are to come here and find a place to pray and humbly bow your knee before God and ask the Holy Spirit to examine your heart and to confess your sins before Him. And those of you that are on the West Campus, we've allowed all the front seats to be left open. I know that we've never done this on this campus. It's a movie theater. I get it. But what I want you to do in these next few moments, when I say amen over the prayer, I'm going to ask you to move from those theater seats, and I'm going to ask you to come to the front, and I'm going to ask you to take that theater, and we're going to turn into an altar. And God's going to meet you. And on both campuses, you may be saying, well, why is it so important that I move? Change of pace plus change of pace equals change of perspective. Change of place plus change of pace equals change of perspective. Something happens when I get up and I go, I don't care what anybody else in the room thinks. I don't care what anybody else in the theater thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. All I care right now is I'm living life for the audience of one. We capture the attention of God. We move from there and we come and we bow our knee. And there's a posture that happens mentally in our minds that we begin to say, oh God, you're not confessing to me. I'm not going to be up here to pray with you. I'm going to give you this opportunity. But I want you to have that opportunity to be able to move from where you are and to be able to pray. And what's going to happen is God's going to meet you here. God's going to show up here. And these few moments, the Holy Spirit's going to either reveal things to you or heal things in you. But wherever you are, listen, let's just quit playing games. We all deal with junk. We all deal with stuff. None of us are righteous. But there is one that is, and there is one that forgives, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to invite you to move from where you are in this sanctuary or in the theater, to move from where you are and to come and to find a place to pray. If you want that tonight, I'm going to pray this prayer. When I say amen, they're going to, the band's going to lead us in worship, and, uh, and then you're going to come and find a place to pray, and then we'll wrap things up and we'll close out the service in just a few minutes. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you don't ask us to do what we don't have the ability to do, but yet you give us that ability and you work in us. And you work through us. And I just pray, Lord, in these few moments that we have, God, even as the lights come down, Lord, as we just kind of just have a reverent mood in this room, Lord, that you would show up. I know you're here. Your word says we're two or more gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst of them. And Lord, I just pray let your, let your convicting and your healing power just flow through this place tonight. I pray, God, that it would flow through this place today in the name of Jesus and that you would meet us right here. Lord, in Germantown, at the West Campus, Lord, I just pray that you would meet us in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'm going to open this altar up. We're opening this front up. Please come and find a place to pray and just pour your heart out to the Lord. That's it. Just come right on. Don't wait. In the theater, don't wait. Just move. Just come right along. Change of place. Plus change of pace equals change of perspective. God's going to meet you here and change your perspective tonight in Jesus' name.